As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. I think that this is really important for any of your best ever listeners to treat their investing business as a business. This shouldn't be a part-time on the side sort of scenario. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip, and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fun That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever, and you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports. And that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. With us today, Sean Cole. How you doing, Sean? Um, well, Joe, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to your best ever listeners today. Yeah, looking forward to it, my friend. Sean is the owner at Craftsman Properties. He's been investing in wholesaling since 2012, having completed over 350 deals, generating over $2.5 million gross profit. He's got his bachelor's from University of Cincinnati, his MBA from Xavier University with a focus in finance based in Cincinnati, Ohio. With that being said, Sean, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. So as you said, Joe, I got into real estate investing in 2012. Uh, Growing up, my parents and I lived in a series of houses for a year and a half or two years at a time while they fixed them up and resold them. 
My dad was a commercial real estate lender for a national life insurance company. So I grew up in the business and being surrounded by real estate. I always wanted to get involved in flipping houses and never really made the time to do it. I always had an excuse, probably like some of your listeners have, where at one point I had just gotten married and then we were just having kids. We just bought our own house, things like that. There was always an excuse. And in 2011, 2012, I just decided that I was going to stop making excuses. I felt like at the time I was young enough, I was 32 or 33 at the time, I was young enough that I could cash out my retirement and give it a go. And if I failed, I'd still be young enough to go take another corporate job and try to save another retirement nest egg. Right now, we're focusing really primarily on on flipping houses. And I guess I draw a distinction between wholesaling and flipping. We very rarely assign contracts. So we buy and close everything that we sell and then sell it to real estate investors. We do also provide hard money loans to our customers if they need it because we've rehabbed houses in the past. We have a stable of contractors that we can provide for them to use if they need help or on the whole job or just part of it. And we really focus hard on having long-lasting relationships with our customers. It's too much work, I think, to have a, a bunch of customers that come to you once and then never come back. So we really work really hard on having folks come back to us over and over again. Mm. So you are flipping houses, not wholesaling, right? Right. So what I mean, you're, you're, you're doing the rehabs, right? You're doing the rehabs. We're not. So I think that wholesalers sort of get a bad rap because they don't have skin in the game. Maybe they don't have the ability to close. But I come to the closing table uh, and pay for every house that we sell. Very few of them have we done any work to, though. I think we'll talk about the best deal ever a little bit later that I've done. And that is a deal that we actually closed and did a little bit of work on before selling it to another investor. But what we've tried to do is differentiate ourselves from a lot of beginners that are just figuring out the business that call themselves wholesalers, but they're really just assigning contracts. Educate me. You are wholesaling, but you're not assigning contracts. So what are you doing? It's called a double close or a simultaneous close. So we go out and we find a property that's a good deal for an investor, and we do all of the due diligence necessary. And it's real due diligence. It's not a 3,000-square-foot house that we say needs $10,000 in work to be a half a million-dollar house. Uh, So we go through the house. We put together a a detailed rehab budget for the house with a breakdown of where that money is going to be spent. And then we find an investor that wants to buy that house and fix it up, and we sell them the house. But we also close on the purchase. So I I buy the house in the morning and sell it to you in the afternoon, and I make a little bit of money in the middle for doing that work for you. So it's pretty similar, I think, to what people would call wholesaling. But we're not just moving contracts alone. We have skin in the game on buying the houses. So we have the ability to close, and we do close and buy every house that we resell. Okay. So what is the advantage of buying it and then selling it later that day versus just selling the rights to buy? So there's a few advantages, I think. So for us, one of the big advantages is having the skin in the game for our customers, understanding the folks that we're buying from and that we're selling to that we have the ability to buy. And so we're not out buying a house that we wouldn't rehab ourselves. And so one of the houses that we rehabbed last year was a house that we had a contract on to buy and couldn't find a customer to buy from us. So since we were going to close on it anyway, we just closed it and fixed up the house and resold it ourselves. And there's a few other advantages that revolve around some real estate advertising laws here in Cincinnati. As you may know, Joe, if you're assigning a contract You can't really talk about the house at all because you're selling a contract, not a house, where for us, we're actually selling the house. 
And so we're able to do some things just a little differently with advertising. But it also lets us hide from our customers. Sometimes we find really great deals where we can make a lot of money. And if you do an assignment, that's disclosed to your buyer up front. And we've had situations in the past where folks decided not to buy a house after they saw how much money they were going to make. And so when we double close, it's not private forever, but it's private until after the transaction closes. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, there we go. That's the big point too, because I've heard that a lot from wholesalers who have got their fees cut at the very end because the end buyer was like, wait a second, I'm getting a good deal, but you're getting too good of a deal. I don't know about that. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And then also, what percentage would you say of the deals that you've done since 2012 have been deals that you bought and then rehabbed yourself? The percentage is probably 10%. So it's a small portion. And in fact, one of the promises that we make to our customers here is that we're not competing with them for deals. So the only time that I'm going to close on a house and rehab it is if we can't find another buyer. I don't want my customers to think or believe that I'm keeping the best deals for myself and giving them the ones that aren't as good that we don't want to do. So we invest in real estate ourselves in other ways, whether it's commercial or rentals, or even this year we're talking about doing some new home development because we want to make sure that our customers know that we're passing on all the good deals to them. What type of tax implications are there with this structure versus if you were to assign a contract? My understanding from talking with my accountant, I'm not an accountant. My understanding is the tax implications really aren't any different. So the the income that we generate is still taxable as ordinary income, just like it is if you're just assigning contracts. So mm-hmm. I'm not aware of any differences. Do you know of any differences? No, but I don't do this, so I didn't talk to my accountant about it either. And neither one of us, as you said, neither one of us are accountants, so I was curious if you knew anything off the top of your head. Okay, so let's talk about the last deal you did. Can you tell us the numbers on it? The last flip or the last rehab that I did? The very last transaction that you completed. Okay, well, I'll give you one that we're closing. We actually have seven closings this Friday. Wow. So there's quite a few to pick from. Um, <laughs> interestingly, January every year is a really busy month for us. And I think that that's been a little bit of a secret maybe that, that I've just given away. But we do very little business in November and December. But January historically is one of our busiest months, both in terms of new deals that we bring in and in terms of closings. So we've got a busy Friday. I think between those seven closings, we will generate income before payroll expenses, things of that sort. We'll generate income of about $75,000 here on Friday, which is a really good structure of the year for us and, and lets us really spend some money on marketing to generate additional leads throughout the course of the year. That's great. Congratulations. So let's pick one of those. And can you tell us the details on one of them? Sure. One of them is actually really what I'd say is probably the best deal we've ever done. It's a house on Natchez on the east side of Cincinnati. It was actually listed on the MLS. And you may have talked to wholesalers in the past or talked to other investors they really have a hard time with folks like me making money off of deals on the MLS where we buy and sell and make some money in the middle. But in this particular case, the house was listed for $65,000 and it really should have sold for about $125,000. But because it was listed on the MLS, we knew that we couldn't get fair value for it. If I bought it for 65000 and tried to sell it for 125000 most of my customers would tell me that I was crazy, but they could have just bought it for $65,000. 
The problem with the house was that it had mold in it, and we're not sure because it was a foreclosure, but we believe that actually what happened was the old owners, when they left, turned on all of the water faucets on the second floor of the house and then plugged all the drains on the second floor and just let the water run. So there was mold from the floor joists on the second floor of the house all the way down through the basement. So we bought the house for with closing costs. We were in the house for $67,200. We've spent another $25,000 doing mold remediation, doing all the demo. We've ripped out every piece of drywall, trim, carpet, flooring in the entire house. We've updated all the electric. We've updated all the plumbing. Then we finished framing the basement, and now we've re-drywalled the house. And we're selling the house at that point to another one of our customers. So we're calling that a prehabbed or a white box house for our customer. Our customer is paying us $169,900. We're going to be in the house for just over ninety, And so that's a, a pretty good pop for us. Yeah, absolutely. Who'd you use to get the mold remediation done? There's a local company. He uses a really interesting process. He uses ozone gas to kill mold. You seal the house up so that no air can get in or out. You don't want any of the ozone leaking out. And then he has ozone generators that he places throughout the house that generates ozone. And so ozone is oxygen with oxygen molecules, so it's O3. And that extra oxygen molecule allows the cell wall to be pierced and killed. And so the mold doesn't go dormant where it can become reactive. It's just dead. And you can wipe it off with a rag after you do that. So the name of the company here locally is O3 Environmental. He does a wonderful job for us. It's not nearly as expensive as folks would think mold remediation is. By far, our biggest cost on the mold remediation was the demolition of Mm. of taking the drywall out of the house instead of the actual remediation of the mold. Wow. How much did the remediation cost? If I exclude the demo cost on the drywall, we spent about $2,500 with O3 Environmental. The demo for the house was about another $2,500. So we were all in about $5,000 to remediate a house that's including the basement because that was certainly part of the issue. It's about 3,900 square feet. How long was it on the MLS for? That's another advantage that working with somebody like me has. And so a lot of my customers have day jobs uh, where they work corporate jobs from maybe it's eight to five. Hopefully they're lucky enough just have that commitment and they don't have longer hours. But they still work from 8 to 5 every day, and they don't have time between work and family, kids, soccer, baseball, whatever. They don't have time to run around and look at houses all day to find one that's a good deal. This is all we do, are find these houses. And so that house was actually on the MLS for about three hours. It was being sold on an auction site that allowed pre-auction offers. So I was able to reach out to the auction site and find out exactly what the reserve price on the house was. So we bought that house within three or four hours of it being on the MLS. Is there a uh, auction? Because we knew it was such a good deal. So there's an auction component of the MLS? I wasn't aware of that. No, there's not. So some agents will list houses on the MLS that you don't actually submit an offer to the agent. You go to some auction site where those houses are actually being sold, and the MLS is really just acting as advertising platform Mm -hmm. so that you know that the house is available to be purchased. And then you ask for the reserve price and the reserve price is what exactly? The reserve price is what the seller will actually accept to sell you the house. And so the house may be listed. I believe in this case, that house on Natchez that we were talking about, that was listed on the MLS for 70 or $75,000. 
but the seller was willing to accept $65,000. And the only reason we were able to get that information is because we have a long history with the major auction sites of getting houses under contract and closing on them. And so we have tight relationships with the account managers there where we can pick up the phone on a lot of these websites and call and find out exactly what the pricing is so that we can move on. We don't have to wait for the auction to end to know whether it's a deal that we're interested in or not. You mentioned earlier that there's a focus on marketing and you've got marketing costs. What are some effective ways other than the MLS, which in this case, hallelujah, what a wonderful lead that was through the MLS. But what are some other non-traditional ways that you've used to acquire deals? Aside from the MLS, they're going to be probably the same types of things that you'll hear from other folks who do what I do. So we hear locally probate cases so where folks have died with or without a will. Those are all public records. And so we subscribe to the local court newspapers. And every day we get a feed from them of new probate cases that are through the system. And we can also follow them and see as the houses are added to the probate case. And so we send letters to both the house that's part of the probate case, as well as to whoever the executor or executrix of the will is. So whoever's administering the will will send letters to them. Usually we send one professional letter to both of those addresses, and then we put them on one of our postcard campaigns where they get a postcard from us usually two or three additional times a year until they call us and tell us to stop sending letters and postcards to them. We also buy lists from a few different list source websites that are pretty slick, actually. So you can go into these websites and put in search criteria like, I only want people in this zip code who have lived in their house for more than 30 years and whose annual household income is between fifty dollars and $70,000. And you can buy a list of just those people and send mailers to just those people. So we really like to pull lists of folks that have lived in their house for a long time who probably have a lot of equity in the house, but because they've lived in the house a long time, it means that they're probably getting older. They're less likely to have updated the house over the last 10 or 15 or 20 years. And so those are opportunities to buy houses that need work. We also do a ton of networking though. I'm really active on a website called Bigger Pockets. It's sort of a real estate investors forum. We make contacts there and we get referrals and leads from folks on that site. We also get leads from our customers who will be sort of driving for dollars for us. They'll drive around town and they'll see a house that looks vacant that's in a part of town that they're interested in. They'll call us and say, hey, Sean, I'm interested in this house. I want you to go buy it. I'm willing to pay this. Whatever you can buy it for less than that, you can keep. And so we work really hard to foster those relationships as well. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? To me, and I know that this is sort of a wholesaling flipping conversation, but I think that this is really important for any of your best ever listeners to treat their investing business as a business. This shouldn't be a part-time, on-the-side sort of scenario. And what I mean by that is that there's not one deal that I will ever do that will be the deal that I retire on. You know, I'm never going to make 5 or $10 million on a deal here in Cincinnati or anywhere that we operate in. So we treat this as a business. We treat everybody that we deal with with respect. We hold our integrity as the most important thing about us as individuals and as a company because, as I said earlier, we want people to keep coming back to us. And we've actually had a few situations just in the last couple of weeks with out-of-town investors or out-of-town companies that are looking to expand to Cincinnati 
who have called and talked to one of my competitors and then have called and talked to us because they happen to hop on the local clerk of court's website and see how many times this competitor has been in court being sued by a customer or a vendor or supplier, and they don't want to do business with people like that. And so we've gotten some great contacts and business relationships because this is a business for us. We want our customers to feel like they're working with McDonald's or Procter & Gamble or Coca-Cola or any other big company in terms of the professionalism they get for us. And I think that's really important for folks to look at because this is, for most of us, this is our life savings when we get started in real estate. And it shouldn't be something that we risk lightly, in my opinion. Mm. Words to follow, that's for sure. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely, Joe. Let's get to it. All right. First, before we get to it, a word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Are you looking for your next home in a high value market like San Francisco? Gabrielle Doms with Premier Properties is a leading broker whose market knowledge and attention to detail gets results for you. Contact Gabrielle at 415-200-7202. That's 415-200-7202. Best ever book you've read? So the best ever book I read, I'm going to cheat and give you two, Joe. So Pleasure Book, A Man in Fool by Tom Wolfe. It's actually a real estate book that I read right after college. It's a really interesting book. It was written around the time of the dot-com bust in the early 2000s. A really interesting read about what happens when real estate deals go bad. So professionally, the best book I've read is called Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. It's by Jim Collins. It's a great study on companies like Coca-Cola, Intel, General Electric, and Merck about what makes them different. Why have they outlasted all these other companies that were in the Dow 30 over the years? It's a really interesting and it has had a big impact on how we operate our business here. Best ever deal that you've done? And you mentioned a very good one that you're closing on, but maybe another one. This may be a theme here, Joe. I'm going to cheat since we already talked about that Natchez deal. The best deal that I ever did really was getting my master's and Xavier. And it wasn't for the reason that I think most folks are going to assume. Most of your best ever listeners probably are going to think that it's because of the financial education that I got. But it was actually because of the people I met. One of the most important people in my business was one of my finance professors there at Xavier. She directly has impacted our ability to do business here. She's one of our lenders that helps us lend money. She's brought untold number of additional investors to us and it really allowed us to jumpstart our business here over the last year. And so in terms of money that we've made here, that investment in my education at Xavier in that relationship has been vitally important. What's the best ever way you like to give back? It's really important to us. I've got three kids, Joe, and I don't know about you, but my three kids take a lot of time and I love doing it, but I've been a coach for a long time. I coached lacrosse starting when I was 19 years old, and so I coach kids. I really enjoy coaching football and basketball and lacrosse, and we do everything we can to sponsor local youth sports teams, whether we're participating or not. It's really important to us that kids have a great experience with sports and have the ability to get out and play sports and learn how to be part of a team. It's so important. I 
think, for the rest of your life to learn how to work together towards a common goal. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? The biggest mistake I made was trying to grow too quickly and trying to do it using hard money loans. So initially, I started rehabbing houses, and I went from one at a time to six at a time, and I financed all six using hard money loans, and I lost over $100,000 over the course of about nine months. That was my entire retirement savings, and we had to pivot. But I learned a really important lesson about growing smart and not growing too quickly and not changing your business plan in an attempt to get rich quick. Real estate's a long game, I think, as you know, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say you had to pivot after that. (laughs) What did you do differently? What was like a couple things? One, I started saving money again and went small. So after that, when we were going to rehab a house, we rehabbed the house one at a time. I also decided not to do it on my own. So when I rehab a house now, I do it with one of the guys that works here with me. We do it together. So we split some of the financial risk. We certainly split the profit, but we split the workload too. But we found that between the two of us that we have a great working relationship and everything that we do. But having somebody that I trust that can tell me, hey, look, we're too busy doing other things right now to take on another project has been really important. And I think hard money loans have a place. I don't think the place for hard money loans, for me anyway, is to finance six projects at once for a total of $400,000. That's just an insane monthly loan payment. And if anything goes wrong at all, it blows up pretty quickly. What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? As I said, I'm pretty active on Bigger Pockets. I'm on there with my name, which is Sean Cole, S-E-A-N-C-O-L-E. You can also email me anytime at Sean, which is again, S-E-A-N, at craftsmanproperties.net. I love chatting with folks about real estate. If there's any way that we can help any of your best ever listeners out, we'd be more than happy to do it. Well, this has been an educational conversation, that's for sure. Thank you, Sean, for being on the show, talking about the advantages of a double close. One, having the ability to buy and rehab yourself opens up options. And then two, It allows you to make more money and keep the deals going, or at least make the money that you are anticipating making without killing a deal because of how the transaction is recorded. And then also the hard lessons learned that you talked about at the very end where you lost 100K at the beginning and you, as you said, pivoted the business, that's for sure, as well as some specific case studies. Love hearing those case studies and the, I was going to say ozone remediation, (laughs) the mold remediation that you worked with the ozone gas company to kill the mold. Hadn't come across that before. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Joe. Have a great day. Are you looking for your next home in a high value market like San Francisco? Gabrielle Doms with Premier Properties is a leading broker whose market knowledge and attention to detail gets results for you. Contact Gabrielle at 415-200-7202. That's 415-200-7202.